Hey, Nathan here. Before we get started today, I wanted to give you a little warning. Normally we bleep out any spicy language from our episodes, but this is special. You know what we're talking about, and I think there's value in keeping it uncensored. So, shut the front door, and thanks. Welcome to BJ's Source, your home for protests. My name's Nathan, your silentist host. My name's Andy, another host. I'm Pat, your agent provocateur host. And uh, we have some special guests here today. <laughs> so many special guests. So, welcoming so many guests. We're really excited that... Uh, to have these people with us, um, and we're we're really grateful for the, to them for joining us. Um, so we're going to welcome back a couple of returning guests, uh, Angela, hello, hello. Uh, who we've had a couple on a couple times by now. Hey, Angela, hello everyone. Uh, another returning guest from one of our earliest episodes and our our very first guest that we had on the show, Lolita. Welcome back, Lolita. Hello, 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 hello. And a new guest, another uh, blast from my past, uh, my high school guidance counselor, uh, Michael. Hey, Michael. Hello there. And just for the record, it's very strange for me to call you by your first name. (laughs) It's still weird. I thought I would get over it by now, but I I didn't. Anyway. um, Embrace the awkwardness. Yeah. Is we want to talk about something that Pat and Nathan and I aren't really qualified to speak on as authoritatively if that speak for yourself i can being ginger with it but basically we're turning over this i have a lot of expertise on this subject (laughs) pat knows all about basically um there's been a lot of civil unrest lately um after just continual murdering of african-american men uh and so we decided that we wanted to bring in some black voices to talk about this basically so just to start us off, the murder, and we're calling it murder, of course, uh, of George Floyd this week and uh, all of the protesting and riots that are going on in uh, Minneapolis and around the country. And I, I think a lot of people are scared of what's going to happen. They're mobilizing National Guard. How do you guys feel about George Floyd? How do you guys feel about um, the protest that's going on? Well, personally, I, I, I'm again aggravated about yet another black man killed. As I was talking to a friend of mine today, and we both said, when will it stop? And of course, we're saying it'll stop when people start getting, when policemen start getting arrested and punished for these crimes. And they're considered crimes, even though they are the police. Um, myself, I have seen so much of this, and I I think of every time I get stopped by the police. (laughs) Within the last week, I was stopped by the police. And I don't like this fear I have within me every time I get stopped. A couple of summers ago in L.A., I was stopped by the police. And I, I was in a strange neighborhood by myself, and I was terrified. And that should not be. I'm a law abiding citizen. Never had anything more than a traffic ticket. I should not be scared in fear of my life just because I'm stopped by the police. I mean, I mean, 
I I think for me, like when I first learned about you know his death and what had happened, the that 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 still image that was going around with the 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 casual way that it seemed like that police officer killed him essentially is what is what bothered me the most I think because it was just like. It was just the, the the fact that like the only reason he died was because that man could kill him and did, and and to think that like that that just that's a that's a that's an attitude that so many police officers probably have like we'll do this because we can and that's literally the only reason. It's just it's terrifying. Like we were like I was with my husband yesterday and we were just driving to go to the store and a cop pulled behind us on the highway and I like. I started doing 58 and a 60 because I'm just like, like, I don't like it's it's just it's ridiculous and it's scary and it's we shouldn't be scared. Like we live here, too. (laughs) Um, personally, my family has actually been touched by the police murdering someone. So my issues have never really been fear with the police. It's always been anger. So, like, I'm actually in a state of kind of, like, pride right now. Like, I'm not really, I don't know. I'm actually really happy that people are writing. And I'm really happy that people are standing up because 27 years ago, someone was murdered and no one cared at all. And it happens every day and all the time. And finally, somebody said, no more. Just like Tamir Rice right there in Cleveland was murdered, that little boy. And nothing happened. Like, this should have been happened. This should have been an issue. And finally, it's, I don't care if it's going to martial law or wherever it's going. This had to happen. Period. This, I'm done with this. I think that's. I just, I think that, that's a sentiment that, like, like, me and a lot of people that I know share, like, like, low-key, like, <laughs> over burning it. Burning shit down. Like, no, like, like, excuse my French or whatever, <laughs> but, like, I don't care, I don't, I don't care about your businesses. I don't care that they set stuff on fire. I don't care. Mm-mm. I don't care that they looted Target. I don't care. This is like, not your grandmama's Civil War, baby. Girl, tell her. And then I hate the ones who want to tout Dr. Kling like y'all didn't kill him. Like that man didn't get assassinated. Like, nah, nah, nah. You picked nah. the right generation this time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little angered that it took until 2020 for this to happen. Uh, even though I remember very vividly when Rodney King was beaten and seeing this video over mm. and over and thinking mm-hmm. to myself, that's right. How can they just beat a man like that's that? That's right. LAPD knowing, has been murdering him. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And knowing, Lolita, you said it. Why did they do it? Because they could. And they knew they'd right. get away mm-hmm. with it. The day after his verdict came uh, back, uh, the policeman's verdict came back innocent, I said, I cannot, I couldn't even go to work. I had to take a sick day. Because I knew I would go into work and somebody would say something stupid mm-hmm. and I'd probably lose my job. I, 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 I just And that's sad you not. even have to feel that way because you should be able to say something about it. Right. Right, mm-hmm. right. 
Now, I mm-hmm. I do have one slight disagreement with you, Lolita, and you know everybody's entitled to own their own opinion. Now, mm-hmm. while I don't, well, this is awful. I don't care about them blowing up police cars. Uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. no one's in them and gets killed. I don't care about them burning down police stations. Whatever, somebody has to make a statement. I do feel badly, though, for people who are innocent people who've lost their businesses, who have lost their livelihoods. I, you know, I, I, I just do. I, I, I just feel like I wish people could make a statement without having to, and I'm just going to say it, having to have black people lose yet something else. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sympathetic. To these people and their businesses and their their livelihoods, I am. I'm not. I'm not a cruel person, but but it's it's not it's not the battle that I'm fighting. Like if I have to pick and choose what I choose, what I'm caring about right now, like what what's in my heart to fight for and to think about and to have at the forefront of 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 my life, it ain't. That. So if I can jump in, so so if there's know, something that, that could be good that could come out of this. If they were to pass something like police reform or like civilian review of police internal affairs or or something that that would add accountability, um, what do you think it would it would look like? Something that you would feel like, all right, well, something good has come out of this. I don't even think we know yet. Right. That, yeah. Because we haven't I, seen justice I, for something like this ever. It's unprecedented. We don't even know what that looks like. We don't know what that feels like. We don't know what they could do to pacify or make us feel better because they've never even tried. Exactly. And I would think yeah. that I, I would want to say more training, but I think they get training. It's not about the training. It's about their mm-hmm. attitudes. And again, I go back to Lolita's statement, the fact that they can. And they can get away with it. So they do. In my job, we have training about how we can restrain kids. You know, there are certain holes that we can do, certain holes that we can't. We, we can't hurt children. We I don't care how out of control they get, we cannot hurt them. So we are trained to restrain in certain ways. I would hope that policemen are re- trained to restrain also. But all of that goes out the window when you've got a racist white policeman who was looking at a black man like, oh, here's another nigga I'm going to mess with. Here's somebody I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. put my foot on his neck or whatever. They don't care. I mean, and that's and that's the biggest problem, I think, is that if, if there were to be something that was in place, it would be some sort of checks and balances, some sort of system where you, you, you don't get to kill a 12-year-old and get, get away with it. I mean, like, that's, like, I mean... It's not. It's not even like some mass reform. Right, girl. It's common place. sense. Like, I feel like if they were just, if they were, if they were just being held accountable for the things that they have done and are doing, that would be enough to tip the scales so that they're evenish. Like, stop making it okay. I'm, yeah, what she said. Right. So it's it's not an easy problem to fix. We already have like, uh, you know, there's training for racial profiling. You're not supposed to do any racial profiling. You're not supposed to brutalize civilians. So there's like a resistance. You know, the rules are in place that you're not supposed to be doing things, but people are getting around these rules. They're not being held accountable. There's not, um, you know, any sort of charges being put on them. 
So that's that seems like a harder to fix problem than just like an easy fix. Yeah, and here and Pat, here's the problem. I believe this goes back to Dr. King. He's he said you cannot legislate matters of the heart. Right. We have we have a heart problem here. We have people who are wicked, who are hateful, who are evil, and a law doesn't change that. Only thing we can do is somehow weed out those people who are divisive and hateful and evil and weed them out of places like the police force. Mm-hmm. I'd like to ask a, I'd like to ask a question if if uh so I've seen posts on Facebook about sort of examples of what's what is it, what uh, an ally, right? What does a good ally do and and I think one one thing that I sometimes am uncertain of is the line between being an, like an active ally and being willing to go stand up for someone when something, when something may be an issue versus crossing the line into like, you know, white savior thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that. I don't even know if there is much of a line. I'm just nervous about it, I guess. And that's sad. You even have to feel that way. I mean, you're good. Right though. And I, I don't, I don't know that I've even ever considered the idea of like, a white person who was an ally crossing some threshold into saviorhood. I feel like, like I, 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 okay. I want y'all to say something. Like, please stand up, say something, be, be something. Because like, I like so. I have so many people who like Caucasian individuals who think that it's enough just to not be racist. Who think that like as long as like as long as they're not saying the word or doing the thing. Or like you know, as long as they got one or two black friends in their contact list, that they're like, yeah, like, and it's just like, there's no, there's no, there's not too much you can do, but there certainly is not enough you can. Do. Oh, there you go. If that is answers your question, I guess. No, that that did. Thank you. I don't know. We were talking about police, and like the thing that I wrote down when you guys were talking was. How come bullies are so often drawn to police work? How come that type of that type of person is drawn that person who's addicted to power and needs needs to control over every situation is drawn to police work all the time? Oh, they'd give you a gun and tell you to go out and do stuff. Right. Cuz they like police are powerful as fuck. <laughs> and if they don't if they don't be cops, they go to the military, duh. Right. I mean, I'm, yeah, or both, or both. Yeah, God right. forbid. Right. <laughs> people, people like yeah. power. I mean, and then they end up in Congress. There's a big pipeline oh. from the military into police, all the way up, or even the president. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a there's actually a really big like problem of military ex military people going to the police, which probably kind of feeds into that sort of. With all their mental health issues. Good job. Yeah. yeah. But. I don't see how anyway. they make good cops. But, That's but he, been, yeah. He, here's another problem. When we talk about bullies and how do people get away with stuff. And I realize it, it's a code. I think with the police department, it's called the blue code. With You know, even within our profession, you know, teacher, you don't rat out on another teacher. In gangs, you don't snitch on another gang member. I mean. People 
will uphold each other. If you're in the same group, same organization, you're going to uphold each other. And that's positive and negative. When you see someone who's affiliated with you doing something wrong, somehow at some point you have to say, no, you can't do that. That is, that's not appropriate. I mean, I have, you know, said to some of my colleagues, you cannot treat that child like that. Some of them have said to me, that wasn't appropriate for you to say to that kid. I mean, and, and we need to hold each other accountable like that. Just like those three other policemen who sat there and mm-hmm. saw that man choking the life out of George Floyd. Someone should have said something. Someone should have said, hey, man, you're wrong. Get off him before he dies. Somebody should have said something. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, I've noticed that this situation has brought out the bully in a lot of people. And you'll see on social media, just in conversation, people are saying the craziest of things that you would have never thought would come like friends that you've known for 20 some odd years are like posting statuses. You're like, dang, I didn't even think you felt like that. I've had to block so many people off of my stuff Mm -hmm. because I'm like, well, I just can't rock with you. If that's legitimately how you feel about an entire race of people, like we just don't do that. Like, I'm not afraid to lose a friend over a virtue. Period. This this is going to draw lines in a lot of people's relationships, friendships, their work life, everything. This has gotten really serious. Well, you know the expression, where the head goes, the body follows. We have a head right now. We have a leader who is the number one bully. We have seen Uh hate crimes increase since he's Uh been in office. His whole attitude, racism, sexism, whatever, he is the ultimate bully. And people feel free, like you said, Angela, to, to say whatever. To do, people who were before, ooh, it's not politically correct, it's not okay to say that. Mm-hmm. They see a leader who's saying it, well, hey, they just feel free to say and do whatever. That's why bullying is increased. Mm-hmm. One reason. Mm-hmm. And at the same time that they know that like the like you said like that blue code or whatever like they were out there protecting that man's house in Minneapolis like in 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 what profession do you do the ultimate wrong and everybody still has your back like they're just like yep yeah, like who in where like if 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 I if I were to mow down a kid with my car my my coworkers would be like you know what I'm gonna just stand out guard and protect her. I'm, I'm trying to tell you, no matter what. Like, where? Why well, do you do so that? There is a mentality of like us versus them, like within the police. It is a dangerous job. Um, I'm not saying that that makes it okay, but um, there there's like an in group and out group mentality of like that. The only people you can trust is police. Or that um, you know the only person that's got your back is other police. Um, so I mean that that's where a lot of that is coming from. Well, in essence, that's kind of true. Once you become a police officer, because you immediately become alienated from civilians, because civilians really don't want much to do with you. Your whole life becomes surrounded by nothing but law enforcement. You're hanging out with law enforcement. You're training with law enforcement. You're 
working with law enforcement. Everything you do is with law enforcement. Your wife is hanging out with other law enforcement wives. That's, I mean, it it makes sense. I mean, and that'd be cool or whatever if they want out her killing us, though. Uh, that's that's like, what I'm saying. Like, y'all like, could just be cool. I don't I don't care if y'all a band. Y'all could be a band of brothers. Like, I don't I don't care. Like, cops can be cops, and and you know they want to form that bond because you know it's it's them versus the public. You know what I mean? And if that was what it was, then that'd be cool. But that ain't what it is. Why like, can't y'all serve and protect for for a Right for 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 them like I'm like I I'm not a cop I, I mean my my cousin my cousin she's married to a cop I mean he's a black man and I'm sure that like being a black man and being a police officer is super difficult for him and it's hard for him to maybe you know choose sides or 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 whatever but like I feel like this isn't a us versus them issue right now as a in, in regard to like race or whatever like like it's. Like it's it's bigger than that, I guess. Yeah, it seems to me if it were just about having your having the back of your fellow cop, right, your your brother in blue or whatever you want to call it, if it was just about having their back, then wouldn't there have been three cops saying, "Hey, take your knee off that dude's throat"? Because that's what a real friend does. That's, that's what, what a real friend does. Friend. Tells you when you're if wrong. My friend was out here fucking up. I would tell my friend, "Hey." You f you messing up? Mm-hmm. I I would I would let my friend have his knee in the neck of nobody. No, unless you have the same philosophy, like this is exactly. a piece of trash. We don't care how we treat him, right. and that's how yeah, you it's know it's like a disease, right? It's and not if, just one. And if I can push back against some Pat said earlier, it's not a dangerous job. I mean, it's kind of a dangerous job, but if you look at the most dangerous jobs in the country. It's more dangerous to be a pizza boy than it is to be a cop. So I'm not saying that there isn't like they got guns. I'm not saying there isn't danger involved with it, and I I ain't got a gun. Uh, but clearly, their threat assessment is broken beyond repair. They don't have the ability to identify what is reasonably a threat and what isn't because violence is so often their first choice. So I'll do a fact check here to let people Barely. know what the top ten most dangerous jobs are. Mini Fact Check. And welcome back to Fact Check. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, number one, fishers and related fishing workers. Number two, logging workers. Number three, aircraft pilots and flight engineers. Number four, roofers. Number five, refuse and recyclable material collectors. Number six, structural iron and steel workers. Number seven, driver slash sail workers. Those would be your pizza delivery people and truck drivers. Number eight, farmers, ranchers, and other agricultural managers. Number nine, first-line supervisors of landscaping, lawn service, and groundskeeping workers. Number 10, electrical power line installers and repairers. Number 11, miscellaneous agricultural workers. Number 12, first-line supervisors of construction trades and extraction workers. Number 13, Helpers and construction trades. Number 14, maintenance and repair workers. Number 15, grounds maintenance workers. Number 16, construction laborers. Number 17, first line supervisors of mechanics, installers, and repairs. And number 18, police and sheriff's patrol officers. I'm not crazy. I understand 
that having a job as a police officer is neither safe nor easy, but it is not as dangerous as it's made out to be. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Mini fact check. That would be dope. They are literally shooting black men in the back. Like, you can't tell me that, that, that someone who is 20 feet away from you running in the opposite direction is a threat to you. Yeah. Like, and even furthermore, like, then they, they installed the body cams to what, like, prove themselves right. doing the right thing. And all it did was give us right. more camera footage of planting evidence and beating people and shooting people for no reason. <laughs> Who is the one who forgot to turn his camera off before he started planting evidence? <laughs> you mean you mean all of them? Come oh on. my god! Like, They're not even good at being racist. Like, <laughs> right. they all have the same look when they're caught. Like this look of fear slash I'm about to lose everything when they realize someone's filming them doing something they shouldn't do. Right. Because they, 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 they ain't expecting to get watched. They ain't expecting to get held accountable. They're like, oh, me? I didn't, I didn't do that. Yeah, you know why I don't have a lot of speeding tickets? It's because I don't speed. <laughs> it's not about whether there's a cop in my view or not. Right. I'm just doing the right thing anyway. <laughs> anyway. Well, because you're white. Jeez, oh, man. I don't have any speeding tickets either. I mean, I still usually get the ticket. I just because I don't, I don't have cleavage, but I, I just am not in fear for my life when I get a that's ticket. A that's it. I get, I get tickets all the time, Andy. I don't know what you talking. I get about. no tickets. <laughs> None. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm a little speed demon. I ain't gonna. I, I think Lolita, Angela can give you lessons on how to get out of out of just a be scared, there, like. <laughs> girl. You. Well, that's easy. People on the street scare me. They drive wow. crazy. I'm just trying to get to A to yeah, B alive. I'll be trying to get to A to B as fast as possible. I leave early. <laughs> I'm terrible. So uh, I have a question. I get. Uh, so uh, they're looking back at the like the civil rights movement in the '60s. Um, there's a lot of, and this is you know academics looking historians looking back on things so uh, it, hindsight i guess but they they say that um martin luther king was success was successful with the peaceful protests you know up until they murdered him but um because of the riots that had been going on and sort of provided a a peaceful alternative for for lawmakers and JFK and whatever to start to, to, to work with, right? Versus, say, the Malcolm X, who, who, who was more scary, more intimidating. And so I'm, th- I'm looking at these riots and protests now, and I'm wondering, um, what will it take to, to move this in the right direction, to, to take this anger and everything and, and, actually get the good out of it. If that makes sense. I I don't think it's our job to take the anger and move it in the right direction. For one thing, I don't back to what you said. I don't I don't find Malcolm X to be scary. I think Malcolm X was divisive. And personally, I uh 
I am more of a Malcolm X follower than a Dr. K in my, my personal life. But I don't, like, I mean, I think that right now people are just, people are hurt. People are mad. And, and I, I don't think there's no turning that around. Like, I keep seeing people say, like, we should point that anger in the right direction. So what you want us to do? Burn the White House down? Like, I, yes. like what, 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 you, what you want? Here? Yes. So, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that there's a taking this anger and turning it into something good. I think taking into account why this happened and then finding some way to move forward is maybe a thing. I don't know. Okay. So I agree with you um, because I feel like Martin Luther King was cute and he was wonderful and he had amazing mm-hmm. works and his literature is amazing. He was the white man's leader. But though. like, um, I feel like That's they still got hosed and bit by the dogs in Selma. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. they were very peaceful and never fought back, not one time. And that was cute. But we're not doing that no more. And ain't no dogs going to bite us mm-hmm. and we just going to stand there. Because clearly it still didn't work. Because here we are in 2020 and we're still fighting the same battle. So um, I really don't see how it can be displaced. It, it really can't be displaced. It's still going to continue on this path of this, like, this is just going to get deeper. Uh, like, I know everyone's looking for this to go into some peaceful direction. You know, Barack Obama came out with his statement about how, you know, let's, let's make it go this way and let's do this. That was sweet. And that's wonderful. But people <laughs> are really angry. It, and the right. and, and, like, I, Be mad. we are breaking glass and destroying places that we love. And you know it gets real when we start destroying places that we love. Right. That's happened before. I'm, I'm, don't laugh at me. I'm old enough to remember <laughs> the Glenville riots. And I remember going to my favorite candy store afterwards and it was bombed. Uh, and all, everything around us was burnt down. And I remember I had a white babysitter at the time and my mother had to find another place, another babysitter for me for fear of my life. Ooh. Um, we burnt down what was around us, and that, and that was a shame. But I think that the difference now and then is back then we had leaders. We had Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and and, and I think Malcolm X was intimidating and scary, scarier to people because he was like, by any means necessary. That was his mm-hmm. phrase: "I will shoot mm-hmm. you, beat you." Mm-hmm. kill your mama whatever because we're tired of this we're tired of being treated like second class citizens disenfranchised we're tired of that and Martin Luther King was also scary to folks because he was so intelligent mm-hmm. not that Malcolm X wasn't he was also but King had a, a, a divisive plan he was he. you know some people say it's better to infiltrate and conquer. It's easier to conquer people from the inside. And he was able in some ways to get to the inside of organizations and then try to make change from there. But both were formidable opponents. But I don't know why we couldn't move forward with the change that both were trying to get to. Yeah. Let me actually, I want to sort of rephrase the question because I think it I don't, I didn't ask it right. Cause I totally agree with everything that you said. I, I am actually, uh, also more in the, 
Malcolm Camp. We need myself. our Huey Newton to come out the ashes. Um, but what really, I guess, <laughs> if I could rephrase it, maybe this is either going to I can see this three things are going to happen. It's somehow going to fizzle out, and nothing's going to change. It's going to continue to grow and escalate until it's you know anarchy and and maybe like some sort of civil war of some kind, or there will be some sort of middle way and you know some somehow where things are improved without war right without total chaos and and purge it, it, does that make sense i mean i guess i yeah i don't know if there can be a middle way we're going to need one hell of a leader to come up out of somewhere. Yes. Right, though. Yes. And he's going to need to, or she is going to need to be, I mean, I mean, powerful. I kind of expect it to be a woman somehow. I don't know why. I, I kind of do, too. It's based on absolutely nothing, but I just have that. You know, feeling. I wouldn't be mad at Michelle Obama right now. I'm just saying. So but, uh, do know. we have a problem? This is like kind of a facetious question, but do we have a problem of politicians not listening to the black voters? <laughs> <laughs> you the politician? Is that a question or a joke? Is that the understatement of the year? I want to point this in a specific direction. So um, Joe Biden, uh, not very long ago, said, I'm sure you're all familiar, uh, um, that if you're having trouble deciding between him and Trump, that you ain't black. Kind of trying to take the blackness away from people that have a particular opinion about something. What, what are you, What's your guys' reaction to that? I just felt like he got invited to the barbecue gonna... and he felt like he could say something like that. <laughs> Right though, like he really, he really did. And honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't mad at the, the <laughs> yeah. idea behind what he yeah. said. That like, you know, supporting Donald Trump, right? Supporting Donald Trump ain't pro anything, like black, yeah. Latina, anything. Honestly, but but you know, he ain't. That ain't the the the, the vehicle. It for wasn't. That message. Yeah. He was not. I don't think what he said was wrong. He just wasn't the one to say it. Poor thing. Yeah, yeah, that's all. He 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 tried. I, I I give him credit for at the very least trying to express that idea. His whole message was fat. Yeah, right. Was, but he still shouldn't have said it. I love the analogy of he was he thought he was invited to the barbecue. But, but, I love that. But do you think that the oh, uh, the Democrats do enough or the Republicans do enough? Like it seems like we really don't like Republicans at all. Absolutely not. Neither one of those parties care about us. They just want our vote. That that's what I'm getting at. And then at the same time, is it is it the job of either political party to do something for any one particular I mean, group? Well, I I think like if, is it? It's an interesting question. I don't. I think if they're supposed to lead, guide, and govern us, if they see a group of disenfranchised people, whether it's blacks, right. women's, Latinos. I think it is their job to somehow foster equity, if anything. that right. That's a big buzzword in the school system right now, equity, because there are some people without a voice. And if the people who are supposed to be in authority over them don't allow them to have a voice, they're not doing their job. I just like when I when I when people always say that, like, like how like when 
those people who like are opposed to Biden, like he ain't never done nothing for black people or whatever. Like I, I just am curious to know, like, what did you want him to do? Like, like realistically, not like, not like he, sh- he, he, like, not like he should just support black people and everything that we do or whatever. But like, I, I want to know what we think he should have done more for us. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean. Like I don't know what At that looks like. Day, I mean, he, what what position what position did you think he was in to really do? For me, like I don't I don't know what what you wanted him to do anyway. He was vice right. president. So right, one. right. <laughs> you know that's kind of a coattail, low key. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like when people when people make arguments about like you know like what politicians are and are not doing. I'm just like I'm just like like I like I don't like. I don't. I don't know that politics and police reform are necessarily like in the same room together. Honestly, like I don't. Right. So, I would like to fix this with that. voting. I would like to fix this with like discourse. Um, I know that we're we're angry and we're doing rioting right now, but like, um, you know, in America, we've had a couple hundred years of that we overthrow the government by showing up and voting. Right. We we could say like, okay, well maybe this time we'll try uh, you know, armed revolution or something else, but um so far peaceful uh voting, you know, turning over the government has been pretty good. Not perfect, but it's been all right, I guess. <laughs> Lolita's got something to say about it. This this is kind of feeling like but, but here Here's the problem. Oh. Oh, here's the problem I see. The, you know, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, as long as we've got this form of government, I guess it was supposed to be for checks and balances. But like when Bar- uh, Obama was president, he had a difficult time getting anything through because the other party kept voting it down. He, They would vote. No, if he said boo, they would say oob, just to be opposite. <laughs> I mean, so For you sure. only have so much power in any office. Right, right. And that's and that's, that's that's kind of my point. Like, like I saw this post today that said, like, if you're out there protesting, but you ain't registered to vote, go home or whatever. But I'm just like, I mean, that's, that's cool or whatever. Don't get me wrong. I perform my civic duties. I vote all the time. But then I'm just like, I mean... I don't understand the correlation between voting and this man going to prison for murdering this man. Like, I'm I'm trying to see that correlation, and I don't see it. I, I think they're trying to say if, if we voted in the right people, the right justices, the right congressmen, the, the right people who are making the right laws, you know. That's going to stop a racist white cop from killing a black man? Like, I don't, I don't know that those two things go together. Well, but it would put him in jail, maybe. I don't know, though. I live in Georgia, where we did vote in a black woman, hmm? and she didn't end up in office, so. I mean, I voted for every black person on my ballot, <laughs> and I don't know what it got me. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the, I don't see the, the like I said, the correlation between these two things. Um... Well, so the yeah. cop is under arrest, and they are bringing charges against the one cop. I don't know that they've arrested his three friends yet, um, but it's like, you know, did it take rioting and burning down half of Minnesota to get that? Right, because he didn't get arrested until after the protests. And, and last time I checked, the two people who killed Ahmaud Aubrey didn't go to it took, jail like, two until months. that video it got took a long time. 
So months later, I'm not that like they knew that they had that those two men had killed that man. They they're not even cops. They just regular white people out here murdering brothers in the street, and they ain't even go to jail. So you you're not gonna tell me that like me melanin my ballot is gonna change a damn thing when well so so then is there a point where voting is not enough and you have to do something else this is that point so derek chauvin that's his name and he's he's in jail now we here this is when i go back to that statement from the last podcast i was on when i said when does a white actual politician stand up and say racism is actually not okay you cannot kill black people, anybody. The KKK is not okay. And stuff like say these statements, right. not dance around it, not kind of say, They're oh, well, people. you know, we're going to look out for people, all people. No, stay statements. Key statements. Stand behind these statements and then enforce these statements. Make it not okay for the KKK to run cars and murder pedestrians while they're protesting and stuff like that. Like why, like why did they feel like they are so bold enough to just drive a vehicle into protesters? Like that's bold. That's brazen. And it's hella ironic. They should be scared to do that. We're scared to walk to the store Mm -hmm. because of the police, but they're not scared to murder people. Mm -hmm. Cause remember that just, just a few weeks ago, those 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 armed white men with machine guns and shit outside the state buildings, they were met with nothing but kindness. I mean, they were treated like they had every you you got grown ass men carrying assault rifles through state buildings and it's cool or whatever. But you get a group of black folk or you know people together and and they're they're met with immediate force. Like you tell me what's more dangerous. Like me standing at a protest, hands up, or oh, or or a white man in a state building with a machine gun, or whatever. I don't know nothing about guns. But see that 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 has been the story throughout time. Back back in the dark ages, when I was in college, we had uh, I went to Wittenberg University, like Andy, and you know, I'm walking down the street. Me and my friends, white girls, are crossing the street, clutching their purses. We're doing nothing but the same thing they are. We're going to class. They're going to class. We attend the same school, but they're scared of us because of the melanin in our skin. In high school, I went to a preppy private school. I went to Hawking. I was a poor boy on scholarship <laughs> for diversity. And um, I remembered Roots came out my sophomore year in high school, and it, it took everything I had. This white boy called me Kunta Kente. Oh, and I kept thinking about my scholarship. I cannot lose my scholarship. If I beat his behind, I will get kicked out of here. I, you know, I, I had to make that decision real quickly. But my point is, all throughout history, and a lot of us have gone through a lot of name calling, a lot of people looking at us immediately like, you're inferior, you're less than. I was a math major. I was the only black math major my freshman year on, on campus. And everyone's looking at me like, Negro, what are you doing in these classes? Mm. What are you doing in Calc 3? What are you doing in differential equation? I mean, they just were amazed because we weren't supposed to do that. And I don't think that this was back in the late 70s, early 80s. Attitudes have not changed 
in most people since then. They still look at us like less than. So it's okay to kill us because we are less than them. So how do you how do you fix that? How do how do we change how do we turn that around? How do we change that? No, that's that's true. How do we change hearts? I mean, yeah, even if it's a, a lot question. of work, um, you know, it's worth doing. I think Kill all pa- the races. Yeah, I think part of it has to be. <laughs> and this is so hard. Martin Luther King said, "We are we we hate each other because we fear each other. We fear each other because we don't know each other." We don't know each other because we're separate from each other. So somehow we have got to got to come together more, but not my sociology thing here. Uh, we have to be more cultural pluralists. We have to learn to accept each other and learn to grow from each other's differences and appreciate, not just tolerate, but appreciate differences because I have something to bring to the table different than what Andy, Pat, and Nathan may bring to the table. And we have to all appreciate each other. Assimilation is not going to be the trick. Because what this country feels, I believe, especially the white majority, is when we come into this country, we have to act like you. We have to take on your culture and your values. And that's a problem. Anything that looks like me and feels like me is inferior. And that's why they feel like they need to stomp us out. Because your culture... All in, I'm not white bashing. Don't don't hear me like that. But everywhere the European man has gone throughout the world, they've bashed the culture. They they've destroyed the culture, and they've become dominant. It's like our way is the right way to go, and they've tried to make people like us. It amazed me when I was in college to see Nigerians come, and we take them to our churches, and they look at us like. You guys are savages. Look at how you're shouting and dancing and running in church. I'm like, oh, did you just call us savages? But they, because they were trained by the white missionaries, and this is the way you worship, this is the way you're supposed to act, they felt that their own culture was wrong. So until we start appreciating each other's culture and not stratifying it, you know, because you're different, one has to be higher than the other. One has to be better than the other. No, we all bring something different that can be appreciated to the table. And that that's a heart change. How do you legislate change of heart? How do you teach change of heart? You've got to build relationships and, and be willing and open and patient enough to t- teach people, even through their own ignorance. This is why you are the guidance counselor. Yeah, takes a lot of patience. You oh, are phenomenal. Takes a lot of patience. I was the one in college who, when Stokely Carmichael, now Kwame Turi, came to campus and he spoke. When when any uh, Farrakhan actually came to campus and spoke while I was there, and they were having riots and protests outside, it was crazy. And then we'd go back to our dorms and we'd be up all night fighting. And I was always the one who tried to be the the teacher, the patient one who'd listen to craziness hurled at me and then tried to turn that around to say let's see if we can make some sense out of this so, uh, but it's hard i wish i was it's that hard. patient it, it's hard because the every once in a, I'm, I'm thankful for my wife because she has to calm me down sometimes because every once in a while please forgive this phrase 
once in a while, nigga Mike wants to come out and say or do something really crazy, <laughs> and, and she she has to bring me back. That's great. You know, when I when I was at Wittenberg, like the best that we had was better than Ezra. <laughs> same same difference. <laughs> well, I missed that. Say that again. It's some crappy band. <laughs> hey, those were good times. I mean, they weren't crappy. They just were fine. Ninety yeah. low. Anyway. It was just a joke that you had way better like people visit campus than uh, when I right. was there. Back check, back check, back check. In spite of Andy's dig against them, Better Than Ezra was an alt band based in New Orleans. They released a total of eight albums between 1990 and 2014, and they are best known for their 93 multi-platinum album. You hear that, Andy? Multi-platinum album deluxe. And the 1995 single, Good, which reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart. But honestly, there is one actually cool story. The way they got their name is actually genuinely awesome. They didn't have a name yet when they entered this Battle of the Bands competition. And it turned out that another band in the Battle of the Bands competition was named Ezra. So they just called themselves Better Than Ezra. And that's how they got their name. And I love it. Back check, back check, back check. That's all. Oh. <laughs> I, I saw the roots before they hooked up with Jimmy. Uh, I want to say Jimmy Stewart. Is that right? Jimmy Fallon? I don't think so. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart, like it's a wonderful <laughs> life, Jimmy Stewart? Well, well, you see, Questlove. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Page. Don't Jimmy think so. Hendrix. So, do you think that anyway. things are getting better with time, or are they not getting enough better over Whew. time? Like, are there, are there market improvements that you could say, like, well, okay, this is definitely better, or is that not a thing? I mean, we got the right to vote or whatever. But, like, <laughs> Setting the bar really I, high there. With, within my, yeah, like, within I, my I, lifetime, by the way, within my lifetime. Right. So I mean, I guess I mean I feel like that's a cop out, though. I feel like asking if things are if things are better or nah is low key a cop out because obviously there things certain things have improved because you know like. You know, blacks and whites can go to the same schools, and we got the right to vote, and we can run for off. Like we, like things are better. Their stuff does better. Yeah, sure, but it ain't good enough. Well, maybe the, until it's maybe that's an answer if it, if it's only gotten better to a certain right. point and then it stopped. Yeah, like, like progress I mean, stopped. It, it's, it's it's not good enough. It, it, I don't I don't care how better it's gotten. It's not enough. So until it's enough, it ain't gonna be enough. Until it's not enough. normal. To think in your head to call me an N-word when you get mad, mm-hmm. it's not going to be I okay. can't tell you how many times somebody didn't call me out my name because they was mad. I'm Girl. telling you, that Girl. N-word. <laughs> like, I, um, I and, and the getting better issue is not, you got to understand, it's not a, progr- a steady progression because we have things that take us back. When I was in college, Reagan took us back. Okay, He hurt us a great deal financial aid and a lot of other policies that he enacted took us backwards. Certainly, number 45 has taken us backwards. So we can take 
three steps forward and then take a couple of steps back. And then we may go forward a little bit and then go back again. So it's not I mean, a is there a, is there a hope that in like 200 or 500 years like maybe we just won't worry about this anymore because it's not, you know, it's not going to be a problem or I don't think that's ever going to happen to be honest. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but as long it may not be race later, but it'll always be exactly. something. Human be- it's human nature to stratify. We always look at differences. Yeah, to, to find a divide. That There's always going to be a divide. And again, it's... It, it, we do it in the food chain. You're always There's always something better. Dr. King had a speech about how riots are the language of the unheard. And it is achingly familiar. I'm going to put it in... I'll splice it in the episode right here. Dr. King was fatally shot at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee on April 4th, 1968 at 6.01 p.m. Did they know about Martin Luther King? We have uh, left it up to you. Could you lower those signs, please? I have some very sad news for all of you, and that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis. James Earl Ray pled guilty to the murder of Martin Luther King Jr. on March 10th, 1969 to avoid the death penalty. Three days later, he attempted to withdraw his guilty plea insisting there was a conspiracy. Ray spent the rest of his life in prison, with the exception of a three-day escape in 1977 that resulted in his 99-year prison sentence being increased to a 100-year prison sentence. He continued to insist he was innocent right up until the day he died in 1998. Let me say, as I've always said, and I will always continue to say, that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. I'm still convinced that non-violence is the most potent weapon available to oppress people in their struggle for freedom and justice. I feel that violence will only create more social problems than they will solve, that in a real sense it is impractical for the Negro to even think of mounting a violent revolution in the United States. So I will continue to condemn riots and continue to say to my brothers and sisters that this is not the way. Continue to affirm that there is another way. But at the same time, it is as necessary for me to be as vigorous in condemning the conditions which cause persons to feel that they must engage in riotous activities as it is for me to condemn riots. I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. 
But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. What is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. On February 19, 1965, Malcolm X told interviewer Gordon Parks that the Nation of Islam was actively trying to kill him. Two days later, on February 21, 1965, while giving a speech at Manhattan's Audubon Ballroom, someone in the audience cried out some racist shit that I'm not going to say, but you can look it up if you're so inclined. Three men rushed the stage with shotguns and handguns, firing at El Haj Malik El Shabazz and hitting him 21 times in the chest, left shoulder, and arms and legs. He was pronounced dead at 3.30 p.m. All three of the gunmen were members of the Nation of Islam. Only one of the three gunmen confessed to the shooting and insisted the other two arrested weren't involved. The other two maintained their claims of innocence. In order for you and me to devise some kind of method or strategy to offset some of the events or a repetition of the events that have taken place here in Los Angeles recently, we have to go to the root. We have to go to the cause. Dealing with the condition itself is not enough. And it is because of our effort toward getting straight to the root that people oftentimes think we're dealing in hate. We are oppressed. We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against a common enemy. taught you to hate the texture of your hair? Who taught you to hate the color of your skin to such extent that you bleach to get like the white man? Who taught you to hate the shape of your nose and the shape of your lips? Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Who taught you to hate your own kind? Who taught you to hate the race that you belong to? So much so that you don't want to be around each other. No, before you come asking Mr. Muhammad, does he teach hate, you should ask yourself who taught you to hate being what God gave you. And I, for one, as a Muslim, believe that the white man is intelligent enough. If he were made to realize how black people really feel and how fed up we are without that old compromising sweet talk, stop sweet talking it. Tell him how you feel. 
Tell him how, what kind of hell you've been catching and let him know that if he's not ready to clean his house up, if he's not ready to clean his house up, he shouldn't have a house. It should catch on fire and burn down. And let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. But he could have given that speech today. And it's it's just as poignant. So, yeah, no, we, we've made very little progress. Right. That shows you how little has, has changed when the words of someone who was assassinated. Remember that. Like, 40 odd years ago are still relevant. Like, we, it is the year of our Lord, 2020. And we still got to be out here writing just to, just to get somebody to live. They had to burn Minneapolis down just to get that man arrested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. More so what's weird is that you still have to explain to somebody that writing makes change. Right. I don't know right. why that's still a question on the internet where people are like, why are you guys writing? They're like, Bro. did you not pay but attention? Y'all don't listen otherwise. Y'all are hard-headed. It, it, it reminds me of when... <laughs> we Like, me and Andy wouldn't even be friends. We wouldn't even have went to elementary school together if people hadn't rioted. Like, or did we not know it that? It reminds me of when I yell at kids. I don't like to raise my voice, but every once in a while, I do. And they'll look at me like, why are you yelling? I said, well, obviously you can't hear me when I'm talking in normal tones. Okay? Why are you rioting? Obviously you can't hear us when we're trying to use our voice in what you consider appropriate ways. Cap tried to kneel. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to hear our inside voices. Now we outside. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, they just don't want to hear the voices. They don't want to hear your voices right. at all. And right, so right. if if they're inside voices, then they'll tell you not to use inside voices. And if you're using outside voices, mm-hmm. they'll tell you not to do that. They're real mad about targets. So another thing that's come out through the coronavirus <laughs> is that it's the coronavirus is di- disproportionately uh, affecting mortality rates in African-American populations. And I think a part of that that we're seeing is, you know, a lack of health care. But also things like uh, not good enough nutrition. I don't know if you guys know about like food deserts. There, there's like you know areas where you just uh, it's either too expensive or you don't have access to um, you know healthy fresh foods, and so all that is available is cheaper kinds of uh, less good foods. Um, so I mean, do you guys have a reaction to that or? I mean, black people have suffered the effects of health inequities for decades. And I just think that because of the coronavirus and because people who are already sick are you know, more susceptible, then that puts black people in that category. I mean, hypertension, diabetes, like heart disease, like these are these are these are low key what people consider like black diseases. Like, I don't, I don't know, 60 year old black man that ain't got diabetes. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, my grandma got all those, <laughs> and and it's horrible. So, it, it's yeah. horrible that we're in that situation. Some of it maybe is education. Some of it is you know passed on diet, possibly. But all a lot of it is like you said, the, the food deserts. If I wanted to eat healthy and lived in certain neighborhoods, there's no place to go. Like in the inner city on the northeast side. Probably Dave's on Chester is probably the only 
real supermarket they have. You can't get yep. fresh vegetables and yep. certain items from Connie's over in East Cleveland or, I'm not going to be racist, or certain corner uh, convenience stores. You know, because we do not have access to a lot of things. Health clinics. It, it, oh, insurance. That's a huge one. As as I'm approaching 60 yeah. and bodies falling apart, <laughs> diabetes, high blood pressure, all that, I am thankful <laughs> that all that is managed well because of my fantastic insurance. Thank you, Cleveland Heights University Heights. Uh, because I can walk in to a doctor's office, to a clinic, to a physical therapist, and have all this stuff paid for. A lot of the average black man may not have that paid for, so he ends up suffering, or I can't go to the doctor, I don't have the copay, or I don't have the and money. You can't afford it. Right. It's cheaper to be sick. I, <laughs> Thank God for places like the right, Neon Health right, Center down right, in East right, Cleveland right. and places like that because a lot of these babies wouldn't have had none of their prenatal care. They wouldn't have had any of their shots when they were born and stuff like that. And the number... Like, right, the free clinic right, right. on Euclid. The number of parents that I have, uh, that I talk to when I refer them to, say, outside counseling and uh, I ask, what insurance do you have? It's amazing how many of them have care source. Thank God for care source. Oh. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Without Medicaid. Shoot, I, we was on Medicaid. My, my baby's had care source whole, for life. almost a decade. <laughs> okay. Life. Care source was it. All my I friends wouldn't have made it. Source. I love care source. Man, what? <laughs> but that's for the kids. That's for the kids. But, but what about the, the parents? Baby. If the parents like, don't have insurance, they just stuck like Chuck. Mm-hmm. Man, I would have paid like $15,000 for my daughter's birth if I didn't have care source. And that's ridiculous. Because she was at risk and had all kind of like heart issues and stuff. Oh, man. So all of that probably Mm -hmm. could have contributed. I mean, the real issue that we're looking at is, is police murdering a black man but um you know there there's a lot of reasons to be unhappy before that and after that black people always have to be mad like we like like (laughs) it's just it's so it's it's just so crazy like i was i was watching this video like trevor noah and he posted this video and in it he talked about how like like society is a contract right we all agree that we all gonna get together we often be good people and do good things and and we all gonna benefit from that. But black people been getting the short end of that stick for way too long. And so he was just like, people are like, you know, why loot Target? And he's like, why not loot Target? Like, I mean, because the only reason that like if let, let's say you're let's say you have nothing, you're poor, right? The only reason you don't go rob a bank is because it's the wrong thing to do, you know. And we've agreed to do the right thing. But but. They're they they not agreeing to they're not doing the right thing they're not holding up there to the bargain so why should we? Here's an awareness that I, I I like to share with people that most of my white friends don't don't get the top when we define ourselves as people I define myself as a Christian a man and black it's one of the top three identifiers of who I am the fact that I am a black man colors the way I see the world colors the way the world reacts to me. And if I should forget that I'm black, somebody's going to remind me that day. Some white woman is going to clutch her purse. Somebody's going to look at me like, oh, is he going to rob me or rape me? Somebody, you know, 
I drive Uber every now and then, and I have to constantly think about my tone, how, how white people are going to react to me. And it makes me mad the fact that when I walk in an elevator and say, I'm, as a black man and one white woman's there, I feel like I have to be careful of how I act because I don't want to scare her. If I'm walking down the sidewalk behind a white woman, it makes me mad at the fact that I have to be conscious not to scare her. I mean, all these things I have to think about as a black man. When I'm around authority, when I walk into a new group of people, I feel like I, like I have to be extra articulate. I have to show them like I'm not like the rest of them jigaboos over there. I mean, I, it makes me angry that I have to prove myself worthy to be given respect. Every day I have to go through that. Alternatively, on the black woman's side of that, having to love a black man is so hard. Because when he goes out to a job interview, Mm -hmm. worrying about, is he talking Mm -hmm. right? Did I dress him right? Is the paper right? Are are they going to be racist? Are they going to treat him right? Are are, are they going to give him the job because he deserves it? I know he deserves it. Praying for him the whole time. Every time he leaves the house, is he going to make it home? I got to make sure I kiss him. I got to make sure I love on him before he leaves. Like, it's so much deeper. Like, it's this fear that we constantly have to live. And then we bear children. And then we have to worry about each and every one of them. And then it's when they go to school, are they going to accept him? Are they going to treat him right? Are the teachers going to treat him right? Is he going to excel? Like, it's crazy, man. Like, especially mm. like it. Like every time, every time my husband leaves the house, I'm worried. Like I, it's 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 ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 just so crazy. Like they like they don't even like it. L- l- choosing to love a black man is is terrifying because you you never know. You never know if he's gonna come home. You never know what could happen. Like like I'm I'm just like just you know do the speed limit. Don't do nothing to draw attention to yourself. Just. Just Man. be be invisible, low key. Like I just I just want you to be invisible because if they can't see you, they can't kill you. Mm, 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 mm. So I um mm. the sense I've gotten from people I, I I've talked to is that that's a lot of where the the rioting kind of comes from is that you your daily activities are risky. You are take your life in your hands to go grocery shopping because you don't know yes. what yes. might happen. Yep. Yes. And so why the fuck not riot? Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Fuck all of it. Mm-hmm. And that like I cannot empathize more with that. Like that's absolute mm-hmm. bullshit. Burn it down. Burn that like, fucker. It's so funny. When Corona first started and you had to wear masks everywhere, I was low key scared. Cause like back in my neighborhood, oh. you can't go in the store with a mask on. Like they had a whole ass side at the front. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I was, like I went to the store. And I was in like Rocky River, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> because I'm like, look, now nah, I ain't trying to have today be today. So I I just took the bitch off because I'm just like, you know what? I don't want no problems. And like I like the, people don't even think about the fact that we got to think about. Like whether or not we should wear a mask in public, cause, cause 
we ain't trying to have no problems. Or even just, you just made a good point without even noticing you made it. In our minds as black people, we have to keep a constant GPS Mm. of what area we're in. Right. And how we have to behave in those areas. Mm -hmm. Like in Rocky River, my booty hole is tight. Girl. Like, I make no mistakes. (laughs) <laughs> you are like I'm, I'm talking with my whole white voice mm-hmm. like Thank i am you. beaumont angela in rocky river okay uh-huh we just we just there's, like, there's the code switching with <laughs> right yeah. oh, you got your black points back andy <laughs> <laughs> like it's just I, it's, I, so uh, speaking of that i, I got to give you an example i was visiting a caucasian friend <laughs> in um, some suburb area around Akron. And he was going to take me, he and his brother and his mother, we were all going out to some place to eat. And she's like, oh, let's go to whatever bar and grill. It's a great place. Now, again, knowing how white folks think, I said, okay, pause. Can I go there safely? Right. Where and are we the going? mom looked at me. Where are we going? And she literally got tears in her eye. Oh. She said, Wow. I would have never thought of that, and she and then she we, we had this whole discourse about I, I I don't usually have to think about that. I go places and yet I would never think, am I safe in this area? Yeah, I like you said, we got to have a running GPS yep. constantly. Yep. I, I knew, constantly. I knew, I know every every time. And God forbid we go somewhere and it's way out in the middle of nowhere and it's great, we will come back, honey. They be the sold and moved. <laughs> remember, remember white flight. Well, y'all were too young for the white flight in the seventies, sixties. You know, one black family move in, and the realtors would help. See that black family just moved in. You better sell now while your property value is still good. We and we I, live in Ohio City, and we I'm the only black person I see on a daily basis. Like and like, and it's just so like I like like. And, like, even in my own neighborhood, I've lived over here for almost four years. And if I go walking by myself, I'm always aware of what, like, I'm always mindful of, like, the people I see and what they see in me. Because, like, like, I mean, I know people know that I live here and whatever. But it's just, like, especially after the Ahmaud Aubrey thing, I was, I was real uncomfortable just walking in my neighborhood where I live, where I pay rent. And don't run. And don't run. <laughs> like, it's just... It's so don't have on okay. like, It's just like I I I hate that. Like I gotta be I gotta be mindful of what I'm doing around my own damn house, like where I live at. And it's just it's just, it's just all because somebody want to be hateful for no reason right. at all, right? And like the odds of of something. I mean, if you know the odds of something actually happening are are low, but but it doesn't matter because. It's so, it just happens so, so randomly and, and certainly frequently enough and violently enough that it, no matter what, there's that, it could, it could happen. Cause I, I have seen people give me a little side eye. I've seen people look at me funny. Like I ain't blonde. I got eyes. I see you seeing me. And God forbid you have like multiple things going on. Like you're a black. Mm-hmm transsexual oh, yeah that, like, that is a yeah. particularly victimized group i believe i yeah. read somewhere that like, yeah oh, so that's like so sad if you got multiple things yeah. going on like you're shaking in your boots constantly i believe that's the most murdered group in the country 
Like, you can't go anywhere without being in fear of, of everyone. I think you you mentioned that Trevor Noah piece, Lolita, and I loved it. That mm-hmm. helped me frame a lot of things that I've been yeah, thinking about. I watched about. the whole video. The one thing, one other thing that he mentioned that was a little bit of an eye-opener is you watch that video of that Target getting looted. Those people running out, like tearing down the... Mm-hmm. Uh, tearing down the doors and messing with the the self checkout and like carrying carts of stuff out, and he mentioned like that's what it's like to be a black person in the country every day. It's like your rights are getting looted every single day you live here, and that uncomfortableness that you live with when you're watching that video, that's that's what it's like. I don't know if any of you associate with that, but like that very much made me think about it. Oh, absolutely. There is an uncomfortableness. There is a degree of fear every day when you go into certain places. It it just is. Whether it's fear for your life is one extreme or fear for your reputation, fear for how you're treated. You know, it's it's a basic human need to belong. We all want to belong to places. However, as an African-American, there are places you go where you know you will never belong and and it's it's yeah. even difficult between us sometimes i had a friend uh martha southgate she was a year ahead of me at hawkins she wrote an article called between two worlds fascinating article talks about how when you're an educated black person you have you you're between two worlds because you're not accepted you never totally accepted by white america But then, to a certain degree, you get ostracized by black America because, oh, you don't talk like us. You don't dress like us. You're too good to go to our schools. What's going on? So you're you're between the two worlds. Is there a danger of, like, a visibility problem with the riots? I mean, you have this cause that uh, everybody who's seen the video, you know, can clearly see that the police were doing something wrong and and that they ended this man's life unfairly is that is that message being tainted or turned in the wrong way by by the visibility of rioting and looting i don't think so not to me because when they from what i've seen when they talk about the riots they talk about the fact that they started because of george floyd's death i don't think that that has gotten lost at all i think that if it's lost for some people they have chosen to lose it and honestly Uh, if you watch most of the footage and like the news stuff from most of the riots a lot of the devastation stuff didn't start until the police started provoking most of the riots anyway right and that i heard that that's what happened downtown because i knew oh yeah no i was watching it live that's exactly what happened yeah so i mean yeah they started it they did and if anything it's causing it to be lost I was so angry when I saw in the news where they were trying to say that George Floyd's death was, you know, partially, you know, because of the policeman, but also because of underlying health reasons. Oh, yeah, because he had hypertension. I was like, right, really? They stop. Stop. really? That man, that man I don't was, care. he was alive before y'all touched him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I don't care. His hypertension didn't take I don't him care off. What he had. Yeah, that was that pissed me off too. <laughs> How dare he not be healthy enough for me to stand on his neck for nine minutes? Right, right, right. right. I'm right. telling you. Also, something else to kind of consider about you know how these the riots are are, are seen 
and whether the the looting and rioting is overshadows the cause the 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 murder and i think you know if you if we think back to the rodney king riots i i think absolutely nobody has any question about what the rodney king riots were about everybody knows and I mean, you, everybody you called remembers. it the rodney king riot exactly so <laughs> i don't i i think that I think that this was even bigger, even worse, even more egregious. I mean, they murdered him. Rodney King wasn't murdered. Mm-mm. You're just beaten. Uh, yeah, he's like, beaten. I don't know what. I'm not too concerned about the message getting lost in the rioting. Personally, I think the historical evidence backs up that. Yeah, and I think yeah. what's, what's happened is, you know, you talk about we're already at a boiling point. On an everyday basis, we're angry about something. Something stupid happens. Somebody will say something stupid. Our everyday life experience makes us angry. And then you get something like this that happens, and it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And it keeps happening again and again and again. And, you know, our question is always, when will it stop? When will enough be enough? Yeah. Does it feel to you guys like... (laughs) It seems to me, from my perspective that allies are trying to come out more this time than they did, say, six years ago or 12 years ago or 20 years ago, over and over and over again. They're fucking it up pretty good because you see a lot of the vandalism that happens and you see a lot of white faces causing that vandalism. Some on purpose when you have people in, like, the Boogaloo movement who are trying to, like, move these riots uh, to cause uh, violence, but so so if I could stop you there, could you explain what that means? The boogaloo, like what is that? It's it seems to be popping up, and I'll make sure to pop some stuff in the doobly do uh, for the audience as well. But it's a group of people who thinks the country needs a new civil war, and they think they can use these racial protests to start riots that lead to a race war that lead to a civil war. And so they come in, they come in with weapons and they try and start vandalism. They try and start rioting. They try and start um, violence towards police and hope that the crowd will jump in. Yes. So there, there are white people out there who are trying to hijack these, these protests and turn them into something they're not. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, at the same time, I think there are more white people who are like on this side of the resistance. Um, because, like, like this isn't about race at all. And I think that that's what makes this a a stronger fight, if you will. Because it's not, it's about, it's about police. I have seen so many people who are not black who just understand it in such a way that it's just, it's, it's low-key refreshing to know. Yeah, the police are dicks to everybody. Right, right. So, and I, I think that, I think that because, it, I, I, like, I just, it's. Like for me at least, I don't like it's not it's not it's not us it's not whites versus black. It's us versus racism. And I I just hope that that's that remains the fight, you know what I mean? I I wonder what we do about that. Like let's let's say you're, you know, somebody that your your grandfather was racist and your father was racist and all your friends are racist and you're racist. Like how how do we turn that around? <laughs> And and in a generation or in a couple of generations that that's different or better. Like I don't I don't know how we solve that. 
wait for them to die off. That that right there. That's the one. Nailed it. <laughs> I had a friend DM me and he goes I do you think that I'm a racist person? Now and now this is a friend who I is a very racist person. He says some very off key stuff and his family I know he comes from a family who taught him that. I'll say that. And I said it to him pretty gently. And first of all, you have to be ready to hear that you're wrong. Because a a lot of the problem is that a lot of people don't even know that what they're thinking in their head is adverse thinking. They don't even realize that the everyday little nuances that they do are racist. Some of those little white ladies aren't even noticing that they're clenching their purses. You know, some people aren't noticing the little things that they do because they're just things that they were taught by their little grandmothers or their mothers or their fathers who told them that black guys are lazy. So they say a little stuff like, oh, you know, you lazy dude. But they're just saying it as a joke to their black friend, but they didn't realize that it was actually really offensive to say that to their black friend. But we feel it as the black friend. You know what I'm saying? But you have to be ready as the person who's doing it to say to yourself, I'm doing it. And I shouldn't be doing it. And I shouldn't be doing it. And you need to rewind and recognize what behaviors you're doing and where you need to correct yourself. Because it's not what other people are doing or because a lot of white people are like, oh, you're mad at me because of what my ancestors did or slavery or whatever. And it's like, we're not mad about slavery. We're mad because you're still using the N-word in 2020. We're mad because you guys are still using blackface to represent us on Halloween. We're mad because you still think it's okay to say stuff like, oh, you know, all you guys are good for is sports and rap music. You think it's a joke, but it's not cute. That's why we're mad, because there's stuff happening right now that needs to be corrected. And people need to realize that it's not even just the systemic stuff where people are talking about, oh, I didn't get this job or I'm not. Because black people are succeeding in amazing ways today. They are creating amazing vaccines to things and cures to things. We're inventing things. So that's not essentially where we're having a problem. It's more so the everyday face-to-face interactions where we're not respecting each other. And that's the problem. We're being degraded on an everyday basis as people, and that is not okay. And the other piece to that, Angela, I think it's when you recognize something is wrong, Mm -hmm. you may want to fix it, but that may mean standing up to friend or family. and. Who and, taught it to right, you, maybe? And, and maybe at a severe cost. I will never forget, uh, I have a cousin who went to Ohio State. He was so devastated 
because he had a white girlfriend who, you know, she broke up with him because her dad told her to. And my cousin did not understand why she wouldn't stand up to her dad. I had to explain to him, uh, you're talking about her tuition, <laughs> her education. I mean, she made a choice. Either I leave my family and I'm on my own without a college education <laughs> or figure out how to pay for it or and, and, and stay with you or I say, bye, I'll go get me a white boyfriend and keep my family. You know, it, it, it's very difficult to make some of those decisions. I When I was in college, I was supposed to move in. A white guy, we both had trouble with our roommates. We became friends. We were going to move in together until his family found out I was black. And they said, oh, no, we will cut you off. That's it. Nothing. You moved in, in with that, whatever. So, I mean, can I expect him at 18 years old to say, screw you, ma, grandma, whatever legacy he had going on there with that money and say, I'm going to prove a point and have to leave college. I mean, that, those are some pretty tough decisions and it takes a special person yeah. to really stand up to generations of racism and prove and to be right. You're right. And that's why saying something like waiting for old white people to die is a good way to combat racism makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, if if it's still being taught and it's in insular groups, it might not be as easy as just letting people die off of old age. I mean, if it's being taught again, um, <laughs> you know, and and these groups are not spreading out to to meet a diverse group of people that would tell them anything that's correct or accurate about other groups of people. I, I mean, there there's ways that these ideas can stick around, and they can stick around for a long time. De definitely. And it, sometimes it takes a hard blow to somebody. Like When I went to rent an apartment, I had a white roommate in Centerville. They called it Warm and, warm and Cheerful Centerville outside of Dayton. Um, I was uh, teaking at a small private school, similar to Hawkeye in the U.S., and I wanted to move near the school. Little did I know, they moved out there to get away from people who look like me. So my first apart apartment, I tried to rent with a roommate. She met my white roommate first, and he was cool. And then he tells her about me, and somebody <clears throat> came out that I was black. She said, oh, no, we can't move in here. She asked him how dark I was. Would I be using the pool? I guess it comes off in the wa water now. <laughs> unbiblical for blacks and whites to use the same bathroom. I mean, she just came out with some crazy stuff. Well, she ended up, we sued her. She ended up getting fired. We got some money, yada, yada, yada. But I, I'm hoping her losing her job caused her to wake up and say, oh, maybe these things aren't correct. And I've been getting a little, some sadistic glee from something Angela's been doing on Facebook that's just been really... <laughs> Warming my my evil side. Uh, you 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 find you've been finding people who are posting racist shit, and you're just helping them share that around and blast it up and get them fired. And I love it. It's so great. Go, Angela. I'm all about it. Well, you have to know on Facebook that like that's your identity. Like that is who you are. It's got your face right on it. It's permanent. I'm the queen of the screenshot. I will troll a post 
and you will say something like, yeah, that's okay, because that's all niggers can just die anyway. <laughs> Oop, got it. Good job. You work at PetSmart in McDonough. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> well, but then, so the woman who called 911 on uh, the bird. Ooh, Amy Cooper, she could, she could catch these hands. She, she, like, she, oh. she could catch... That video, she well, can catch him. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm trying to tell you, girl. But she went online after it happened and it was like, this is oh, destroying my life. They took her dog. Uh, she got fired. They and, took like, her dog. The, the ASPCA took her dog back and stuff. <laughs> but she was... <laughs> right. But oh. she's trying to get sympathy. Like, fuck you. <laughs> no one feels sad for your racist ass. Not even yeah. a little bit, though. I felt bad for that dog, though. Poor thing. No. Well, it's better off now. I guarantee you there are a line of people waiting to adopt oh. that thing after it got taken back. Poor thing. That dog was mad. <laughs> I think um, I think it was actually before he even actually got arrested, but uh, yeah, I saw, what's I saw his name? That Chauvin, that scumbag. His wife d- filed for divorce. I think, I'm pretty sure it was even before he got arrested. The rough flip side of that coin is wow. I've been reading online oh, yeah. where a lot of people think that they're doing that to protect assets. That they've moved. Yeah, uh, I read uh, that too. They've moved a lot of their stuff into her name, and they're, she's getting a divorce, so that people can't come up, and, uh, come after the house or whatever when he's in jail. That sounds about white. Yeah, it's like one of the things. Like it's, I guess, kind of nice because it makes him sad, but like it really doesn't matter to me at all. They should block the asset switchover and then allow the divorce and just fuck him over. Is he out on bond, right? I why would he? Is it wouldn't he you'd think I, he'd be safer in jail. I mean you they I mean to be for but to be fair, the when they were outside of his house, they didn't do nothing. When that little protest outside of his home, he survived it. So Well, I think we're uh we're bringing it in for a landing no. for uh this discussion, but Really appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, yeah, I um, you know, you guys are all personal friends of mine, so um, I, it really means a lot to me that you took the time to come and share your your perspectives and your experiences. It's every single time I explore this topic, I learn more, and I always come away feeling like I now have I know more about what I can do. So I want to thank you guys for that. Anytime. I'm very grateful that you're all friends with Andy's goofy, wonderful ass. My pleasure. <laughs> He's been A1 since day one. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's something towards the end of the show we like to do. We like to share some precious moments. Precious moments. That was a terrible transition. Angela, you want to go first? I do think my precious moment this week is going to be the post from Barack Obama. That just warmed my little heart. I missed him so much. And his little speeches. His complete sentences. I know. He's just the dad, like, (laughs) you know, we all needed right now. And he's just like, be peaceful, be calm. I'm here for you always. And I can just hear his little voice saying it in the back of my head. (laughs) And be peaceful, uh, be calm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know. So yeah, that warmed my heart this week. Um, sure. I guess I'll go next. Um, my precious moment from this week 
was, I guess, talking to my grandma. She's 94. She lives in Atlanta. And she's hilarious. And I love her whole life. She's upset because my my dad took away her checks so she can't give away money. And she was very upset about it. <laughs> she's like, Lolita, why they take my checks? I need to write checks. And I said, baby, I don't know. But it's just I'm sorry. <laughs> but I love that little lady. Um, so... I have made myself miserable over the last few days because I've decided that it's my job to troll the internet and find every video of cops assaulting protesters that I can find. Uh, and I'm up to, and I've been posting them on Facebook all in one place, uh, just as a place to collect them, but so other people can see them too. I'm up to around 65 different individual incidents. Mm of cops either trying to frame people or attacking protesters, and all of them unprovoked. Every single one unprovoked. Uh, but I guess, so, uh, I have felt awful the last few days. I feel like I have a, like a weight on my chest ever since this stuff has started, and I think, what, what better way to prove the point that we're all trying to make and that protesters are trying to make than the police reaction to what's been happening. I mean, there's there's no better way to prove that these police don't know what they're doing, and it's not an isolated incident. But my precious moment uh, are two different videos that I found. Uh, one where the cops fire tear gas at the protesters and immediately blows back in their faces. <laughs> um yeah, and then the other one is this guy, this uh, SWAT uh, guy in SWAT gear that's so like hyped up. He's on the back of an SUV, and it takes a turn too fast, and so like he gets knocked off a little bit. He has to get up, and he so freaks out. He turns around and just sprays tear gas at his shadow. Like he's so on edge that he's just spraying it at anything. So. uh Fuck the police, I guess, is nice. my precious moment of the week. <laughs> I think probably my precious moment, I'm debating on two. The one I'll share is um, finding a post on Facebook, probably about me when uh, I used to go on tour with our vocal music department every year, and someone had shared a picture and uh, talking about good times and you know, and somebody said, don't forget Mr. Dixon, yada, yada. And then several people chimed in and had some wonderful things to say. So that was, that was precious mm, to me. That's nice. That's nice. And, oh, and, of, and, and I, I have to say the second one. Second one was Andy honoring me enough to ask me to be on the show. Oh, well, we appreciate you. Oh, <laughs> we're, we're yes. honored by you coming <laughs> on. So yeah. <laughs> um, well, my precious moment, I think, is is going to be, and and there will be something coming out with a little bit of uh, coverage from this. But I took I took the time on Saturday. Took the time. I t- I went down to the protest in Cleveland on Saturday evening, and it was scary, but also I I mean I I. I had this weird sort of pull towards the like the crowd where it was really like going down and there was this part of me that wanted to go in there and just start throwing 
throwing fisticuffs around. But um, but I, I didn't because I, you know, was instructed not to by Caitlin. <laughs> Otherwise, you definitely would have been all about it. You know, it's sort of like I, I, I maybe I just have been like trying to find something to like really fight for, but like, or maybe I just have been itching for a fight in general, uh, in a less sort of like cause kind of way. But I, just the energy that I felt there um, was so amazing and transformative, and um, I really. I hope that good things... I have a good feeling about where things could head from here. I think that progress can finally be made. Maybe I'm being totally crazy and optimistic. Keep hope alive. Right. See, <laughs> the two are mutually exclusive. Yeah. That's okay. Well, I just... I see Pat smirking over there. <laughs> uh, no, just... Um, I was thinking about mine. So mine is not particularly precious, but I'm kind of the conspiracy theory guy. I kind of like the, the conspiracy theories. And we were talking about this a little bit before the show, but um, one of the things that's come out of the protests is the Umbrella Man. For the listeners who might not know, it's um, there, there was a guy that was taped at the original Minneapolis rally... Uh, right before the auto zone was lit on fire, and he was walking around breaking windows. Uh, and this video is up all over the internet. Um, people are saying that it looked like one particular person, uh, a, a cop from St. Paul, um, but the, this picture of both of them together was circulating around the internet, and uh, the, the police issued a statement saying that they were denying um, that that was who it was. But um, it it was a person that was completely separate from all of the protesters, like, was not a part of the protest, it seemed, and just came and was the one who was sort of inciting this violence. So on the one hand, that's terrible. On the other hand, the protesters were confronting him on it and saying, like, hey, you can't do this, you can't be going around breaking windows like that. So, I mean, I, I really have a lot of hope that... Um, you know, I think that the better part of people is going to is going to triumph, is going to win out of this, and I think that the uh, you know the the worst part, I think that's something that's going to pass away, hopefully, in time. That's nice, and I will make sure there's going to be. I'm I'll include the Umbrella Man video. I'll include. Um, videos there. There have also been some wonderful moments that come out of this. And in, mm. in Flint, the sheriff took off I his helmet, that. laid down his baton, and marched with the marched with the protesters. Yeah, no, no violence in Flint mm-hmm. because they did their fucking jobs. You know, there there's video from the day after the initial protests and riot in Minneapolis of people coming downtown with brooms right. and cleaning up. The same thing happened here in Cleveland. People came downtown with brooms and uh, uh, trash bags and like one superhero with like a power washer that was cleaning up, uh, cleaning up different graffiti here and there. You know, like there are good parts of this. There's uh, there's pictures of a a line of white women using their privilege to protect black uh, protesters from the police. There's uh, images of. Black men standing in front of an officer who has been separated from his squad to protect him from the rest of the crowd. I mean, 
good mm. things have come out of these protests, and I'll make sure to include a bunch of them. Um, so it's not that there's no sunlight, mm. but there is a whole lot of clouds, too. Uh, clouds of tear gas. Got them. <laughs> Bazinga. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Well, super appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you so much again. But the I will say thank you so much. Welcome, yeah. uh, welcome to being a uh, new friend of the pod, uh, Michael uh, Lolita. You've been a friend of the pod. You were the first friend of the pod. <laughs> the first pod person, and we appreciate it. Last thing I wanted to say is uh, there was one uh, protest sign that uh, was at the Cleveland rally that I really loved. It said, <laughs> "I really need to come up with a catchphrase." I, uh, I I hope that. <laughs> listeners got as much as I did to think about this week. Alright, love you, bye. Good night. Bye! Thanks, everybody. Bye! Guys, if you want... I think in vogue going on here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think dance party is the most appropriate thing to do right now. That I agree. <laughs> I'm a terrible dancer. I don't dance. Andy, don't ever do that. That again. surprises me so much. I was trying to boogie down. You know? Andy, you are about no, as white I'm, white as my beard. For real. <laughs> That's white. That's pretty Sorry. white. Sorry. <laughs>